Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today on Housing Wire Daily, I'm joined by lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about inventory, inflation data, and purchase apps. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is great to be here from Mallorca, Spain. Uh, making us all jealous, yes. But thank you for making time to do this podcast while you're actually on vacation. We appreciate it. Pleasure is all mine. <laughs> I know that vacation, I, that, that's in quotes, vacation, because uh, you're still very active looking at all the data, looking at all the reports. And we had a lot. So we are recording this on Wednesday, um, August 10th. And so this will go live on the 11th. But um, we had a lot of things ca- happen today. So first question, let's get to it. Is inventory growth really slowing? So the whole point of lower mortgage rates that we hoped would happen was that we would finally see some housing inventory come back online. But I want to ask you, are we seeing the growth we want to see? Is is inventory growth actually slowing? What's happening there? So definitely for sure, inventory is growing year over year. You know, one of the things that I've tried to talk about so much in the last two years is how to talk about inventory in a more realistic way. Because as always, the professional grifting of housing for the last 10 years has been that, you know, we're going to tell you when inventory is going to skyrocket, home prices will collapse, and we're going to make a video out of it. Um, that's kind of not how the economic cycle of inventory channels have worked for 10 years. So one of the things I've wanted to focus on during this period is that until we get total inventory between 1.52 to 1.93 million, that means we have to touch 1.93 million NAR data, we're still in a savagely unhealthy housing market. And a really good example of this is probably the best example I'll ever give in my lifetime. Um, Las Vegas home sales were down like 34% year over year. Inventory was up like 131%, some crazy year over year number. Home prices are still up almost 18% year over year. Um, you don't get that in a normal marketplace. Uh, and the only reason we're seeing that really is just because literally inventory started at all-time lows at the beginning of the year. So what's happened is we were seeing this very accelerated home price growth. And we could see it, obviously, in you know the Case-Shiller Index, which lags current data. But we, we still see these, these big home price gains. What higher rates has done is changed the landscape of housing in terms of it's allowed inventory to accumulate. And uh, accumulation isn't uh, a very, you know, when you're working from the lowest bar ever, the slope of the upward move in inventory looks very aggressive. But if you look at it on a historical basis, you're still very low. What's happened in the last four weeks now uh, it's something we talked about for the last uh, a few weeks. New listings are declining. They're declining quicker now than what we saw in the last two years. One of the concerns I've always had is when you have the best home loan profiles in the history of the United States of America, and still to this day, I, I debate people who just do not have a credit profile risk background and just don't understand how well homeowners are off. If they start taking their listings off sooner, than normal. And usually after the second week of July, the growth rate slows, but we're seeing a little bit more of a noticeable 
uh, decline in new listings. So I really wanted to wait at least a month before uh, we talked about it. And now it looks like some people are already starting to revise their inventory data lower for the year uh, um, than what they currently saw because that move upward was so fast because demand fell. But the, since demand fell, people thought that inventory had to get back up to 2007 or 2006 or 2008 level. And, and for some perspective here, um, inventory right now, NAR is about 1.26 million. Uh, peak inventory during like 2007 was roughly 4 million. A lot of distressed sales, what we call forced forced credit sellers, uh, short sales, foreclosures. Um, not the case here. So the concern is always again uh, during this year. During this year, when rates were higher, was that mortgage rates could come back down, and then the inventory data can slow, stall, or reverse. So right now we're in the kind of slowing down uh, uh, the growth rate of inventory. Uh, in fact, we might even have a negative week to week print soon. Um, but definitely, we see the growth rate slowing. And then usually by October, total inventory starts to fall. The seasonality in, in impact of inventory it rises in the spring and summer, and then it uh, falls in the fall and winter. But right now, we're seeing new listings fall a little bit sooner than normal. Uh, uh, so it's something to keep an eye out for the rest of the year. Uh, again, homeowners are not panic sellers. Panic selling was a grift that was created in October of 2021 um, because people made the assumption that when rates get to 4%, American homeowners who didn't have any plans of moving or just upending their life would run to the market and sell to either be homeless or rent at a higher cost, which to me, I whoever tricked these people into thinking this was actually a real thing, you give them a nice bottle of wine. Because people fell for people fell for this, and I, I'm sitting here thinking, these people can't be homeowners, or they can't have a family. Like you just can't do that. You just can't rush. You know, a stock market is different than than housing. So now that we're in August, right? And, this, and these data lines that we look at are weekly data; they're not lagging. The NAR data that I use lags uh, because it goes off the existing home sales report. So we use, you know. Altource Research, Realtor.com, Redfin, they all kind of take these weekly data and they're all showing the same thing. New listings are coming down. That is not housing 2008. I'm sorry to burst everyone's bubble, but housing 2008, it was much different than housing 2022. Um, So as somebody who's part of team home, you know, team balance, higher mortgage rates, mortgage, higher mortgage rates did their thing. Of course, for the the detriment is the new home sales cycle where it's it's already raised a recession red flag and construction is going to slow down a lot. Um, I, it, you know, there's no way we're going to get to 1.93 million inventory. There really wasn't any way anyway this year. But uh, the question is, uh, do we even can we get to at least 1.52 uh, before the year's end. And if the growth rate of new listings come down, what happens is the accumulation of inventory is just basically sales slowing down and inventory builds up, and then which means days on market should grow. The last existing home sales print actually had 14 meeting days. That's the lowest ever recorded in history. 
So a good comparison is like in 2011, it was 101 days. Wow. Uh, usually, usually you want 30 days or more. That's, you know, some of the other deadlines are starting to show a little bit more days on market. I know here in, you know, in Orange County, uh, days on market grew 25% year over year for detached homes. It's 20 days. That's actually a positive, but sales are down 40% year over year. Inventory is up 77%. Home prices are up 14%. You know, so um, the the way I try to tell people this is that starting in March, mortgage rates started to rise. It ties with the Ukrainian uh, Russia's invasion of the Ukraine, the Fed pivot. You know, all these things happen then. Um, so in you have to look at April now, April twenty two versus April to twenty twenty three. That gives you twelve months of talking about housing with a higher rate in the system. And of course, the um, you know the four to five percent mortgage rates didn't do the damage I thought it would do. Uh, I still see that in the purchase application data that we we saw today. But uh, if if new listings start to fall a little bit more aggressively, and we start to see total inventory decline earlier than normal, that is a fear because that's just people not listing their homes. If rates fall down. Let's say to you know, as we talked about in the article we wrote two weeks ago, four and one eighth to four and a half percent. If demand picks up a little bit, then that stalling or that you know the growth rate slowing can be stall and reversal. And the whole discussion about inventory during this period is this is a thing. We have to be mindful of it. We can't sit there and fantasize like some crazy people do about housing two thousand eight. Okay, it's just you you have to let go of that period of your life. You don't have that much life to live, right? So you don't want to waste your life on that kind of housing crash. Well, I also think that, you know, you talked about four to five mortgage rates in the four to five range didn't really do it. So mortgage rates in the five to six did. But unfortunately, I mean, that was a pretty short period of time. I mean, unfortunately, depending on, on where you're looking at, for, from our perspective of wanting to see inventory grow and that happens with larger rates that really has wasn't a very large period of time because we've already seen that come back down yeah i mean rates went from six and a quarter to a five five percent and by the way last week was the craziest week in mortgage rates that i can remember we had basically half a percent moves like every other day <laughs> and today you know the bond market's rallying so mortgage rates you know could be in the low fives again um but the thing is that this is a grinding period of inventory and if, if, if you really want to understand housing cycles, you have to verse yourself in credit risk profiles uh, um, and, and how tightening credit or loosening credit works in relationships to a normal housing market. So many people are basing their, their lifestyle on really pushing a narrative that we're going to have a ma- – I mean, this is not the first year I've dealt with this. This is like year nine now of – what we call the 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 high velocity of inventory, or inventory just skyrocketing, uh, two, three, four, five million within a year, uh, um, and it's just we just don't have that kind of system where credit gets so tight in relationship to the demand curve, or that the credit profile risk of positive cash flow educated homeowners uh, risking their families' lives to go homeless just to sell their homes. We just don't have that. So the concern is that. Let's say the 2018 inventory channel is similar. The sellers just don't budge. They wait a very long time. And some of them pull the pull the plug and say, well, wait till next year. 
And for me, it's like, oh, we're, we're seeing that now. It's something I'm going to keep an eye on for the rest of the year. But now that we have four weeks of new listings declining noticeably, we are in August, people. Okay, so pretty much the housing, you know, the push, the spring summer pushes is coming to an end. Uh, people are leaving their vacations, they're getting ready for school. So uh, that that's kind of uh, over and done with. So the next stage is if mortgage rates do fall, uh, does that bring a little bit more demand, which then that takes the inventory down a little bit lower. That's the reversal part. So far, we haven't had that. And, you know, today's purchase application data, uh, we only saw 1% week-to-week growth, which is, I, I, I'm not a big fan of week-to-week data, but the year-over-year data is still down 19%. Uh, so we haven't seen a material shift in that data line, uh, but we we have seen, and, and, and I'd like to remind everyone that during COVID, when home sales, like, just fell completely down to 4 million. Uh, uh, inventory didn't skyrocket because why sellers have their sellers are in control of their own life. And just because you think the Federal Reserve created the greatest Ponzi scheme or whatever, and, and nobody cares, nobody cares about your fake Twitter account or nobody cares about your useless YouTube. People buy homes, they have sex, they have kids, they go to work, their kids play with their neighbor friends. That's how people live their normal life. Uh, the Federal Reserve is not even on top of their minds. They can't even name it Fed board members, okay? They have a fixed debt cost and their wages rise every year. That's how boring housing economics really is. Uh, this other stuff just isn't here. But I'm very mindful that now that we have four weeks of in- inventory declines, that this is something that is like stage one alert for me to see if this becomes a trend throughout the rest of the year. Uh, and again, I'm not taking the savagely unhealthy housing market theme off because the concern was always that you don't see that inventory until probably 2019. And when I talk about 2019, you need rates to stay high. You need weakness in demand. You need duration, right? Duration in time and weakness. I think so many people are banking on, or at least were banking on, uh, how home prices peaking and then sales declining and distress. I don't know what what the mindset was, but to have like a housing crash, you need willing sellers to actually sell you their homes at 20, 30, 40% off for no apparent reason. But uh, it's never happened in history unless you have a major, you know, forced selling period of time. And you could go back to the Great Depression, you know, and, and look, it's, it's, it's very rare to have really big nominal home price declines. Uh, uh, and if you don't have forced selling, it's more of a process that takes time rather than such a fast moving pace uh, uh, out there. So it, again, for my housing crash friends, patience, grasshopper, patience. Uh, these homeowners are 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 doing well, and they, they're not forced sellers, right? Whatever you think of the marketplace, just realize they're not going to sell you their homes at 30, 40% off uh, for no reason. To me, one of the biggest things about this, and you, you say this, like, why do people buy homes and why are they not willing to put up? So today on our internal Slack at Housing Wire, I get to see all the uh, first day of school pictures. So in the South, in Texas, I mean, it's already it's already school time. And so it's like, you know, you want to be settled. And in many parts of the country, where you go to school is determined by where you live. It is in, in Texas there, or, you know, I know that varies by city by city, but like 
it's very much tied to exactly where you live. So that's something you want to have settled way before the middle of August. Yes. Uh, uh, and with inventory data, I always like to uh, focus people on, go back and look at total inventory from 2014. And it has been slowly moving down. And we've had two rate spikes, 2013 and 14, 2018 and 19. We've had COVID. We had forbearance. And then we had the biggest housing affordability hit in our recent lifetimes. And we are still below 2019 levels. Today, in August, we are in August now, right? Inventory rises in the spring and summer. It falls in the, in the fall and winter. And uh, the new listings growth is reversing. We're not even talking stalling out. It's, it's, it's negative every week for four weeks now. But the inventory buildup, uh, uh, the growth that we've seen in inventory is what I've always thought higher rates can do. It could, it could have inventory accumulate through weakness and demand. So definitely, uh, we, we, we threw a grenade uh, uh, at the housing cycle that was pricing. The home price inflation was so obscene in the last two and a half years. So it, it's a positive that we're starting to get more inventory growth, but we don't claim victory yet until we can get back to 2019 levels. And, and, and I always use 2019 levels because from 2012 to 2019, I thought we had enough inventory during those periods of times to have a functioning marketplace because the days on market were over 30 days. And that means people have choices and there's less bidding wars and people can move. And, you know, that's fine. I was never one of these low inventories holding sales back people in the past cycle. But once you break under 1.52 million during a period where you have the biggest housing demographic patch ever and then with mortgage rates where they are, it can be problematic. So hopefully now this historic event that we've seen in the United States of America that we've all documented, you can see what happens when you have a shortage of products that people need. And that's part of, you know, the COVID-19 recovery. You know, there's a lot of stuff. We we all fought over toilet paper, you know? <laughs> I mean, we're, people were, yeah. So, uh, you know, housing is, 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 is a necessity, definitely. Um, but uh, that's what people should take back from this time. If you look at the data, you could clearly see that the vertical pricing that we've seen during this historic period more had to do with inventory breaking to all-time lows uh, because during the housing bubble years, a lot of people still don't know this, that total inventory was growing actually during the housing bubble years. It's just that demand was so booming because we had this credit boom that it kept monthly supply below five months always. Uh, here was the last 10 years has been totally different. Inventory has been slowly falling until it broke to all-time lows. So, you get that forced bidding pricing, which nobody loves. I mean, it, nobody wants to bid against other people for homes. You just want to you just want to buy your house and live in there, and, and that's fine. So, so it's a little dis, it's a little disconcerting seeing the new listings fall, but uh, it's something we have to keep an eye on because now we definitely have a trend of this. Well, let's look at the larger picture, larger economic picture here for a second because that has such an effect on this. So, we had CPI data come in today. What is that telling you, and what does that mean for the housing market? Inflation, you know, some people anticipated it to be weaker than normal. It, it was already estimated to be lower than last month. So um, uh, it came in weaker than anticipated. Bond markets rallied, most likely mortgage rates. Pricing will get better today. Part of the six recession red flag model, you know, the, all flags are raised. 
there was a little snippet in the article saying, what can possibly reverse this? Because historically, when the leading economic index has fallen at this stage, it doesn't really reverse. And there's two things. Number one, the growth rate of inflation falls, uh, and the Federal Reserve just really decides, hey, listen, uh, the economic data is getting weaker. We acknowledge it, and we don't need to be that aggressive. And then what they did in 2018 is they, they reversed their, their rate hikes. They started cutting. Uh, uh, growth rate of inflation falling is a positive. But it also means, you know, mortgage rates can go down. So now that we've had a, a noticeable move on, on, on inflation, if this holds up to be core inflation, I'm not talking about headline because headlines move by energy so much. If core inflation is peaked out for this cycle, and a lot of that is shelter inflation, which lags six months. But if it has, that means the 10-year yield got only as high as 350. Uh, if you look at the history of of the ten year yield and in, in inflation, you know a lot of the in, uh, same thing. If you are part of the seven, eight, nine, ten percent mortgage rate camp, you have to be very pro growth, uh, uh, booming U.S. economy, uh, people consuming goods and services, and that that'll create inflation because wage inflation will come up, and then rates could go up higher without being a detriment to the economy. That's not the case. The economic data has been getting weaker. Uh, so if it is true that the ten-year yield only peaked at three fifty, mortgage rate pricing, of course, is worse because the mortgage-backed security market is stressed. But if rates fall back down, the positive, you know, if the growth rate inflation falls, and let's say if the Federal Reserve stops the rate hikes or just holds things at bay, if mortgage rates fall again, the positive in the sense of the economy is that the new home sales market could benefit. They can unload some of their homes that they've had. And we're talking about rates heading toward 4% or under. Uh, we're not talking about just breaking from five and a quarter to you know, 4.875. Uh, that'll be beneficial for the economy, but you, the, the builders have to be comfortable to start building single family starts again. Then the counter is that, well, if inventory starts to come back down again, uh, then we're stuck. And being stuck is like the last thing I want to see while we're below 2019 levels. This is why I've always stressed, we got to get above, we got to get toward 2019 levels on inventory. So this is the first noticeable surprise to the downside of inflation. Uh, the stock market was rallying before, you know, before I took, did this interview. Bond markets were rallying. So the markets like it, and we'll see how much this continues. Because remember, we still have a... Commodities war, Russia versus Ukraine, that's picking up. We don't know about China or Taiwan, but there are things out there that could limit the supply of, of, of energy and stuff to that nature. And the question is, does the Federal Reserve believe like they need to hike in that environment? Uh, because they can't do really anything about a, an energy uh, a supply issue. So there's all these things that are still out there as, as headwinds or high variable uh, events. But uh the simple answer to why more bonds are rallying and stock market rallying is that the growth rate of inflation has cooled down, and people are kind of waiting to see where does it peak out. Um, um, if if we did not have the Russian Ukraine situation at all, we would have a much different conversation right now uh, on a lot of things. But we do have that, so we have to be mindful of any supply shocks out there, especially if China and Taiwan um, uh, uh, get into it as well. So. You, you always be leery of that, but as of just today, the growth rate inflation fall fell, mortgage pricing should get better, the stock market rally. So 
it is it's it, it is what it is. This is this is a positive day on that front uh, because nobody likes inflation. Uh, gas prices have been coming down, of course, uh, uh, recently. So uh, all of those things will be a benefit to the U.S. economy because we are a service-based economy and less inflation means more disposable income. More disposable incomes means consumption. Consumption is a good thing, especially when you don't have to run higher credit card debts off of it. So that is a positive. But it's just one report. But again, you know, it's something always to keep a mind on. Be really interesting to see what the Federal Reserve does with this data and what that looks like. Um, also, I, I can't help but think about the fact that, you know, you 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 mentioned you've always said 2020 to 2024 is when we have this huge demographic push and we have some of that pent up energy. It's not like I mean, we still have two more years of that demographic push coming through, but but it's been constrained. A lot of those people who wanted to buy houses, I'm not sure they were able to buy houses. in the last Yeah. You know, it's, it's right. So when you have a demographic bump, just meaning you just have a little bit more people that hit their home buying years. And we saw the sales, uh, increase. One of the things I always like to remind people is that, you know, 2020 home sales were only 130,000 more than 2017, 130,000 more than 2017 levels. Uh, I can make a case that some of the some of the sales in 2020 slipped into 2021 because of the rebound effect in, in after COVID. But we're looking 365,000 on average, maybe two years from 2017 levels, a little bit more than uh, uh, from 2019 levels. So we have we have that demographic demand there. The thing is that inflation on the CPI is, is really pushed by shelter inflation, which is rent. And it's the rent inflation that took off in, in a very aggressive way. So we got hit on both ends, right? And there's you just need more product for shelter inflation, right? You need more homes on the market and you need more uh, uh, housing units for rent. And that'll cool the growth rate down. Wages, of course, are accelerating. Productivity just came down again. So it's like unit labor costs are going up. Uh, productivity is down. They need to hire more people because productivity isn't great. Uh, so there's there's all these really unique variables happening in 2020 to 2024, and then on top of everything, COVID, Russia invaded Ukraine. There's all these things. So we just part of this six recession red flag model that I wrote for Housing Wire was that understanding that data is pretty wild because uh, uh, we have very unique variables pushing things aggressively to the upside and downside. Over time, things should moderate back to normal or some form of normal. We're not there yet, uh, um, but it is, it's just unlike Japan or Europe, we have a very big younger workforce, right? We have the millennials and we have Gen Z. This is why our population growth is still, is still rising. Uh, so we have that what we call demand inflation. That's the shelter inflation impact uh, where rents uh, uh, pick up and, and, and home prices pick up if you don't have enough inventory. So we just got, we got hit, we got stuck in a very bad spot out of all the times in history to have rental vacancies low and total uh, housing units low. 2020 to 2024 was not it. Like we, we could have, we could have done much better if it was like eight years ago, but here, you know, you, we could see this, we see this, we see these crazy data lines where we have m- Big percentage declines in home sales, big increases in inventory, and yet we still have home price growth uh, double digits. So those things should cool down with higher rates and more inventory. But we could 
the new listing data falling for four straight weeks, but like, like, oh man, it's happening already. So it's just something I'll keep an eye on every single week going out for the end of the year. And once we get to the peak of 2019 inventory level, I could take the savagely unhealthy. And there are some markets out there that have crossed into the 2019 inventory data. Those to me are are, are off the list of uh, savagely unhealthy because there's more choices there. But it was it was it, it was interesting seeing how the new listings data declined faster this year than we see in the previous two years. Okay, last question: Purchase app data. What's that showing us? You know, one of the themes in the summer of 2020 that we had, we had talked about was that once the 10-year yield could break above 1.94% or 4% plus mortgage rates, uh, housing can change. Because home price growth was so hot from that period on, I had really anticipated kind of four-week moving average declines of 18 to 22% uh, on a year-over-year basis. And we never really had that when mortgage rates were 4 to 5%, but 5 to 6% definitely we have. So we're, we are kind of in the lower uh, range of that uh, 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 four-week four decline that I'm looking, looking for. So that looks normal to me. The question is, um, if mortgage rates go noticeably down, and when I talk about noticeably down, I'm talking like four and one-eighth to four and a half percent with duration, right? Duration's always key. Or let's assume that it goes below 4%. Purchase application data will give you a heads up first on demand getting better. Uh, uh, the year-over-year declines will become less, they'll become flat, and then they'll be positive. And because we've, we've seen a noticeable decline, the bar is getting lower and lower uh, uh, for that. But uh, as, of, as of yet, we still haven't seen any big reversals in the, in, in the data line. It's still showing negative year-over-year data. Uh, uh, and the weekly data might have stabilized a little bit, but I, I, I just focus on the year over year. So there's nothing as of yet that I see that is a change. So uh, that's why I'm a little bit more concerned about inventory, that if mortgage rates go even lower and demand picks up, not declines, uh, um, the growth in inventory can stall or reverse. Reverse means we're still stuck below 2019 levels on a national basis. Of course, there's some markets that 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 are dealing with that. So we'll see that. But uh, you know, some people have shown that there's a little bit more activity now that mortgage rates went from six and a quarter to five percent uh, on the purchase application. It's very mild. So I haven't seen anything uh, uh, positive in that light yet. And we all have to remember, starting in October, it really starts kind of in September, but October of this year, the year-over-year comps are going to be much more uh, complex or harder because last October is when we saw this uh, end-of-the-year uh, push in mortgage demand that led existing home sales to $6.5 million. So the comps are going to be harder. So we could, even if we go on trend right now, we could have like 25 to 35% year-over-year declines in this data line and be basically running at the same rate. Uh, so just remember these these if you don't adjust to these comps, you're gonna get you're gonna get kind of lost in, in the data line. So purchase application data is really was telling me the same trend as always. Uh, there's a little bit more stabilization on the week-to-week data, but the year over year is still negative. So it's something to keep an eye out uh, uh, going out for the rest of the year. If the growth rate of inflation is falling. If mortgage rates start to fall a little bit more noticeably and a little bit more duration, we'll see it in the purchase application first on the uh, better demand, but not there yet. 
the inventory issue is is more of a seller's uh, choice at this point right now. Lots of variables to consider. Glad we have you on to help us walk through this. Logan, thank you again for being on the podcast. It is great to be here, Sarah. Thank you so much. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW Plus, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to HousingWire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.